0: are going to conclude uh the thoughts on prayer this morning it actually concludes this lesson um but i would like to next week probably give you some uh i don't know what you'd call them some some backup notes some notes to maybe plug into this section uh where we really deal with some with fasting specifically and so that's my plan anyway but this morning we should be able to conclude or finish up now last week uh we went through and talked about prayer um I have, you know, of course, we read the poem, dealing with prayer, uh, focusing on the morning, developing that special time of Bible reading, uh, starting your day off with God, read a chapter every day. We talked about Bible reading, you know, just read what you can. It's better to read a little bit every day than to read 62 chapters one day a month. you know, It's better, the consistency is far better. Just reading a few verses, reading one chapter a day, something every single day will do a lot more for your spiritual life than, man, I haven't read the Bible in a month. And you sit down and read 47 chapters and, (coughs) I mean, okay, that's great. But then you don't read it again for a month because who has three hours to read the Bible every day? You know, so if, if it's better to be consistent, even if it's just a little bit. So bite off what you can chew. Pray, just spend a little bit of time. Don't say, I'm going to spend an hour with God every day. You got to grow to that or build to that and, and achieve that over time. Start with a commitment. that's very small. You obviously can always take a little bit more time. But in your heart and mind, say, here's what I want to do. I'm going to commit to this. And if I achieve that, I've achieved my goal. And then, hey, if you have time and you want to do more, you end up reading 10 chapters, that's great. But, you know, your commitment, so you you don't, you know, we, we beat ourselves up and we don't make our goal, you know. And especially in this spiritual walk where we're, man... I was going to read five chapters every day and I haven't read it and now I'm behind. And then you feel like, well, what's the use? And then you don't do it for five months, you know, and well, just commit to something that you can handle. Develop your prayer list. We talked about that. Where can you pray? You can pray anywhere, anytime, any place. Then I think we have that chart, that diagram. That's how do you pray? I think I I ended last week just before that where we're dealing with or talking about the posture of prayer uh, really, the posture of prayer is something that's in our heart. Um, there's examples here. You can pray kneeling. You can pray sitting. You can pray standing. You can pray looking up. You can pray prostrate. You can pray lying down. I mean, you can pray anywhere. You can pray in any position physically. You don't have to be on your knees Uh, You know, I don't remember who it was, but I think it was somebody uh, that was, you know, Jewish. They said, you know, you Christians, uh, the reason you don't get anything from God is you guys pray like this, man. God couldn't get anything in there, uh, you know, at all. We've learned how to pray. We pray like this, you know, (laughs) like bring it, pour it down. And he was just making fun. Uh, Of course, uh, it's not so the physical uh, attributes of your prayer. Obviously, we don't pray to be seen of men. You know, I don't think we want to come up here during uh, invitation time and get down on the floor. God, please help me. You know, we don't want to. It's not we don't need to do that. You could do that in your closet. You can do that at home. Uh, But the posture of prayer really is a matter of our own heart and that we are coming humbly kneeling down before God. And so you can be walking down the street. You can be driving in your car you can be praying at any time and having that posture of prayer in your heart even though physically you're not on your knees or physically you're standing or physically you're laying you know just before you close your eyes to go to sleep at night or maybe you've closed your eyes already and your heart and mind just entering a spirit of prayer and, and talking to the Lord for a few minutes as you, as you fade off can be very beneficial to the believer. So we have the model prayer, which is the example. It is, of course, that uh, answer that God gave the disciples when, he, when the disciples came and said, teach us to pray. And so this is what God said on how to pray. Here's, here's how, to prayer, how to pray. And some people have taken the model prayer and said, oh, this is what we're supposed to pray. And they just quote that as it is a prayer. But really, the idea behind that is to take the principles that are taught and apply those to our prayer life in the model prayer. And so I preached a message. I'm not going to re-preach it uh, this morning here. But some years ago, I preached a message on prayer. It's called the pattern of prayer as God gave the disciples a pattern. So it's on Sermon Audio. You can go to our church website and listen to it. But, let me just run through the points real quick we 're not going to reteach them all, but the idea behind the, the the model prayer that we have that most believers have been saved for any length of time are familiar with that prayer and uh, so the ideas behind it is what we 're implementing so first of all that We want to remember his royalty. Verse number nine says, uh, Our Father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name. So remembering who it is we're talking to. And he mentions here the idea of worship prayer should begin with worship, hallowed be thy name, remembering his royalty, worshiping God, praising God for who he is and the person that he is. And then we remember his return, thy kingdom come. The idea of remembering who God is and then remember he's coming again. And our eyes as believers and Christians are to be on the second coming. We're supposed to be looking for that glorious day when the eastern sky is going to part and our Lord and Savior is going to take us out of this place. And so he tells us there to to Verse number 10, thy kingdom come, remember his return. Then remember his rule, his rule in our lives. The idea is thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God is in control. We want to have God's will done. So remembering his rule in our lives and acknowledging that in our prayer and saying, Lord, here's what I might desire, but I understand that you're in control. And I'm praying as Christ did, not my will, but thine be done oh lord and so remembering his rule and then reviewing your request that's the one that we don't have a problem with give us this day our daily bread so the idea there is, is reviewing your request looking at the things that you have the, your own prayer list your needs for your family for your church for your extended family for the missionary family that we have those things you want to remember your request and, and take some time and pray for those needs you have not because you ask not And so God wants us to come and to ask. But you notice there are several things that take place in the model prayer before we get to the request. And so in our prayer time, we want to remember that it's not just a matter of sitting down and, and, uh, Lord, give, give me, give me, give me. It's a time of communion with God and fellowship with God where we acknowledge who he is and what he means to us. And we spend some time in worship and just praising him. One thing you could do is is get a list of the names of God uh, the attributes of God. You could look at those and, and consider those attributes of God and Lord, I thank you that you are uh, immutable, that you are unchanging, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And and just thinking about those things and what they mean to you, and then pray and and talking to the Lord, Lord, thank you for being an unchanging God. Thank you for being a compassionate, caring, loving God that I know hears and answers prayer. And this is praising God for who he is. And so you wanna do those things before you get to the request. In verse number 11, give us this day our daily bread. Then you want to... uh, reconcile your receipt is what I have for my point here. But uh, he says, and forgive us our debts and forgive us our debtors. We need to uh, be sure we keep our sin confessed to God. Reconcile your receipt. Get the balance taken care of. Get any sin that's on, on the tab under the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm, we're privileged to be able to bring that to him. And he is faithful just to forgive us of our sin and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can come to him at any time. And uh, then we need to rely on his restraint he, and lead us not in temptation, but deliver us from evil. Help, help us to live a godly Christian life. Restrain me from my own heart's desires. Keep me from temptation. Put a hedge of protection about me. And uh, then remember his reliability for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Uh, remembering that he's in control. He is all powerful and that he has the power. So this is the model prayer and some principles about what is said there. It's not just a matter of quoting that prayer as if in those particular words, there is some extra level of magic or some extra spiritual insight or something. But the model or example, of the prayer is what is it he's teaching with that, and you can listen to the uh, you can listen to the message on sermon audio and get all of the background and other things that I talked about and looked at. Bill, did you have a question? It's just a word we're less familiar with today, but it's just an acknowledgement of where he is today. You know, Jesus Christ, when he uh, ascended up into heaven, he's at the right hand of the Father. We, we're acknowledging that he's alive and that he is sitting next to the Father and he is there in heaven and going to come again someday. So it's just that. It has art, right? right. Yeah, it's nothing to do with art. Yeah. So those are the the model prayer and some principles, and I would encourage you, if you have any interest in it at all, listen to the message. It's called The Pattern of Prayer. It's on Sermon Audio. Uh, Then he gives us some practical suggestions here. Make every matter a matter of prayer. So in our life, that's really what we need to do, is make every matter a matter of prayer, taking everything to the Lord in prayer. Develop a written prayer list. Develop a written prayer list. Um, You know, uh, I think... It was uh, Dr. David Gibbs that was speaking, but he was speaking, he was talking, uh, I think he said it was Lester Roloff, but don't quote me on that. But I, he, he said, I have never seen a Christian that did not have a prayer list that had much of a prayer life. Uh, he just said, listen, you, you know, our minds, they wander our minds, you know, they're going to chase down all kinds of things, and and not that as you're praying, praying, the spirit of the Lord leads you in your prayer, and the spirit can bring things to mind, but you know, after a minute or two, you might be thinking about what you're having for lunch. You know, you might be thinking about about what's uh, what's coming next, or. And we get distracted. And so we need that list to kind of get, oh, yeah, I was praying for the missionaries. <laughs> and, and you kind of go through that. And then as you're praying, the Lord might bring something to mind specific for that missionary that, was, that you heard or that you know or that you struggle. And you may feel impressed very strongly to pray for their safety. It wasn't on your list, but the Lord impresses upon your heart. And we don't know what they might be going through at that very moment. That God impressed on you to be praying. But you need a prayer list. And, and have a list to, to guide and work through your prayer time there. Develop a written prayer list. Designate a daily time of uh, time or times of prayer. You know how anything in our life goes um, when it's something that we're going to do. You know. I was going to build a smoker for about two and a half years. <laughs> I mean I, I bought the drum and I had it sitting over there at the house for about two and a half years. Someday, I, yeah, I'm going to build a smoker someday. but That's a project that I already got done. But I've told many of you about the desire that I have to build a 20-foot dining room table so that we can have, you know, big groups over. That's on my, I'm going to get to it someday list. You know, that's something I'm going to do sometime. I'm going to build a big dining room table. Well, listen, if, if our prayer time or our walk with God is just something that we're going to do, uh, you know, there's a lot of the things that are going to get in the way. And really, the only way to be... Consistent is to have a dedicated set time and say, here's here's when I do it. And even with that, sometimes things are going to get in the way. But you'll be a lot more consistent and, and you'll be able to say, OK, uh, you know, for our family devotions now for over 20 years, we've had family devotions and we shoot for 10 o'clock at night. That's I mean, even when the kids were babies, it was 10 o'clock at night because there was always other stuff going on. And and we could try and make 10 o'clock work. Uh, you know, last night we finished up and it was after 11 uh, when, you know, we prayed and then everybody hugs everybody and we all go to bed. Uh, but, you know, that's what we shoot for. But still, sometimes things get in the way and it gets pushed back further, 10, 11, 12, 1. Uh, now, we still do it every night, but at least 10 was our goal. Like everybody in the house knows you know, hey, it's getting on 10 o'clock. We're probably going to be reading and praying soon. And uh, that's our plan. So having a set time gets it, makes it a lot easier. Uh, husbands and wives should pray together. Let me encourage you. Uh, you know the old saying, uh, families that pray together, stay together. Uh, it just does something for your wife to hear you praying, to hear you asking God to help you be the kind of husband you're supposed to be. Uh, to have your husband hear you praying, Lord, uh, help me to be the kind of wife that I need to be, the kind of wife that my husband needs, and, and help me to be stronger in this area or more consistent in that area. Uh, you know, just praying together and being honest with before God—it goes a long ways to help you. And that's very intimate. It is very intimate that that you know you think, oh, well, I can talk to God about that, but I don't want my husband to hear that." Or, you know, that, that here's what I'm saying—that in your husband and wife relationship, this will go a long ways to strengthen your relationship. If uh, you can get by the, the the pride and the apprehension of, well, I'm not sure I want him to hear me praying these things or I want her to hear me praying these things and just being honest before God, it will help you a lot. Pray together. Obviously, parents should pray with their children uh, and praying and asking God to help you be the right kind of parent, praying and asking God to work in their lives and to bring them along Uh, Let me encourage you, don't use prayer time as as a time to, you know, scold your children. Or prayer time is a time to, Lord, you know, he's a disobedient little brat. I pray God you'd get a hold of his heart and change him. Lord, you need to do something in this child's life today. That's not what... (laughs) If you need to have a conversation with your child, do that. Don't use prayer time to try and teach a Bible lesson, you know. Uh, Lord, You can just, you know, say, Lord, I pray you'd help him. And, you know, he's struggling in some areas of, with his character or, uh, Lord, in this particular area and he wants to do better. Lord, would you help him to do better? We know that you can do it, Lord. And, and praying for him or with him about things is, is different than using prayer time to try and uh, get on to him. You, want, you don't want your children to, to dread prayer time, you know, because uh, every night it's, it's a scolding, you know. Uh, so parents should, parents should teach their children uh, to pray on their own, how to pray, build a prayer list, pray for mom and dad. And, you know, and you'll have to guide your, your children a little bit because, you know, kids, when they're little, Lord, would you please be with my big toe And be with the ants that are outside because it's cold today. And, you know, I mean, they just think of who knows what crazy stuff. And it's just coming to their heads. And listen, the the Lord loves to hear their innocent uh, request and their prayer. uh, But you just want to start guiding them as they're growing, to guide them, to teach them uh, about prayer and how to pray. That would be good. Uh, You must, uh, must prayer, the questions asked, must prayer be audible? Uh, Obviously, the answer is no. Jesus Christ prayed in the garden there in uh, Matthew 26. And we know that, uh, you know, the, the Lord is able to hear, the Bible says, the groanings of our heart. The things which cannot be uttered. Just the, the things that you're not even sure what to pray or how to pray, but you're just getting on your knees and, and just kind of spending time and saying, Lord, I'm not even sure what to ask for. I'm not sure how to pray about this solution. I don't know what it is would be your will or, or even what's going to be best. But, you know, just spending time in, in that spirit of prayer, God can do something. He hears your heart. And we know at those times it is this Holy Spirit that intercedes for us. And uh, goes to the Lord on our behalf. And so the Lord hears those prayers. You don't have to be praying uh, audibly. Uh, why should you pray? There's several things mentioned here on why should you pray? To save the souls of men. Praying that the souls of men might be saved. Would somebody want to look up Colossians 4.3 for me? Colossians 4.3. Andrew's got that one. Uh, could somebody look up Matthew 6.13? 6, Matthew 6.13. Let's say if you're willing to look it up, you also are willing to read it. Is what you're saying? Uh, Matthew six thirteen. Anybody else? Want to uh, Miss Kim all the way in the back? We we'll get Matthew six thirteen. Can somebody look up Ephesians six eighteen. Uh, Miss Galena's got Ephesians six eighteen. Okay, so starting back here, why should you pray to save the souls of men? Colossians four three says. With all praying, also. which I am also in balance. So he's there, the Apostle Paul saying, Lord, pray that God would give me utterance. Pray that God would, you know, open the door and allow me to be able to uh, share the truth of the gospel of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ with the lost world around us. You know, sometimes it's hard to do, sometimes you're not sure what to say, and you know, people's responses are all different, and, and he's saying, Well, this is something you can pray for. Pray for souls to be saved, for the souls of men, that they would come. Uh, you know, Matthew 9, 38. Pray ye therefore the Lord of the harvest, that he would send forth laborers into the harvest. Just praying that God would send people to the lost and dying world. So we pray to maintain your fellowship with God. First John 1, 9. We've mentioned that verse several times. You know, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So you maintain your fellowship uh, you're praying to maintain fellowship with God because you want to be sure and make sure that there's nothing in there. Here, you pray for to save the souls of men, to maintain fellowship with God, to overcome uh, the devices of Satan. Matthew six thirteen. Who's reading that for us? Yeah, I've got the whole class flustered now, not just me, right? <laughs> Amen. So that lead us not into temptation, praying that you can overcome Satan's devices, that God would put a protection and a hedge about you. So keeping and maintaining uh, victory over these Satan's devices and then uh, to fight spiritual battles, Ephesians six eighteen. So praying, asking God, always watching unto the persecution and supplication of all saints. So fighting these spiritual battles, asking God to help you to have victory in these spiritual battles. We're talking about putting your life in order and overcoming the devil and the world and the flesh and these things. So prayer is a critical part of this, that we are able to fight these spiritual battles. Pray pray to gain wisdom, James 1, 5. If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God. We know that. And so then we're talking here about the intensity of prayer. Uh, We know the intensity of prayer in the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus prayed with great agony. Uh, James five sixteen and eighteen there says the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The idea is intensity in prayer, fervency in prayer, not just a casual, lackadaisical, uh, you know, kind of a careless uh, push towards prayer, but but something fervent, something that's important, something that this is really a need that I have, a burden that I have. This is something that is vitally important to me, and and that fervency is there's a difference. Uh, you know, even when somebody comes to you and they, they say, you know, Hey, if you're not doing anything Friday, you want to come over, there's a level there of, well, if you got anything else to do, why don't you do that? But if not, you can come over, you know, kind of that just casual, you know, but then there's another idea of, Hey, I really need some help. Is there any way you can adjust your schedule? Is there any way you can make this work? But on Friday, I've got to get this done. I remember uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Bill was moving. And uh, he said, you know, I, I don't remember if it was a Monday or Tuesday or what day it was. But he says, you know, Monday from 10 to noon you know, I, I've got to get this done. I've got a, a couple of days to get out of my apartment. And I was like, well, uh, myself, another guy in the church said, we'll come over, we'll help. Uh, we got this little bit of time. We can come and we'll help you get this done. But there was an urgency there. There's a little window. He had to get all this stuff moved. And, and that's what he's saying, a fervency when we come to God, uh, you know, to, to pray fervently. Uh, and he prayed earnestly that it might not rain and it rained not on the earth for the space of three years and six months. So just a Fervent earnest in our prayer. Prayer that has energy results in miraculous answers. You must come boldly to the throne of grace. A prayer that has energy results in miraculous answers. We come boldly to the throne of grace. Now we can come boldly to the throne of grace, but there are some things that, that can hinder our prayer. I I know that if you're like me, there's been times that I may have come boldly. I may have come fervently. I may have come and prayed and and I'm meeting those expectations. But I prayed and I still felt like my prayers weren't getting above the ceiling. You know what the truth of the matter is? Most of the time, at least for me, I know why they're not getting there. I know why, because I've been saved long enough and I've been praying long enough that I, I know when there's a problem. And, you know, so just there's some hindrances to our prayer, some things that keep our prayers from being effective. And uh, first of all, an improper relationship between a husband and wife. First Peter 3, 7, you say oh, an improper, that's going to affect our prayer. Yes. Likewise, ye husbands dwell with them according to knowledge, give honor unto the wife and unto, as unto the weaker vessel. And as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers be not hindered that your prayers be not hindered. He says, hey, your relationship with other people is important. You need to maintain and keep that right relationship, specifically with your husband and wife. Otherwise, your prayers are going to be hindered. You know what Jesus said about the, uh, the guy praying at the altar. And he says, hey, you're down here praying at the altar, but if you've got aught in your heart against a brother, if you've got a, a situation that has to be dealt with, what you need to do first is you need to get up and go resolve that. You need to settle that. And then come back and pray. And sometimes uh, we may be fervently praying to God. But we know there's something in our heart with another brother. We know there's a situation. And so our prayers are are hindered. And we've got to keep a right relationship with our husband and wife specifically. But also with others. Unpaid debts or unreconciled differences. And uh, that of course would be others. But taking care of those debts that you have. Um, He says there, this is the passage, Matthew 5, 23 and 24. Therefore, if thou bring thy gift to the altar and there remember that thy brother hath ought against thee, leave there thy gift before the altar and go the way, first being reconciled to thy brother, then come again to offer thy gift. So coming and praying when the debts are paid, when the differences are settled and that's taken care of. When unforgiveness is in our heart, Matthew 6, 14 and 15. For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. And so we have unforgiveness, unforgiveness in uh, our heart. And we've got to be very careful about that, making sure that there's nothing resting there. You know, after all that God has done for us and all the times he's forgiven us over and over and over again, And he still forgives us again, and he will again tomorrow. And he very clearly tells us that we are to forgive others, you know, basically at infinitum. The idea is just continually. And uh, too many Christians are holding unforgiveness in their heart. And that's a hindrance to our prayer. Covetousness, Malachi 3, 7 through 9, and James 4, 3. James 4, 3 says, "Ye ask and receive not, because ye ask amiss, that ye may consume it upon your own lust." Okay, the idea of covetousness, just uh, just desiring or wanting more and more and more. And uh, that prayer request may be something we're seeking for that we shouldn't have. Uh, that's not for us or not what God has or wants for us. So we've got to be careful about covetousness. Rebellion or disobedience. Uh, the example here of Saul, um, when God's hand was removed from Saul... Uh, because of his rebellion and his disobedience. God says, hey, I've rejected thee as king. You're no longer going to be king because of rebellion and disobedience. Uh, He says to obey is better than sacrifice. And uh, then to disregard for the word of God, Proverbs 28, verse number nine. Proverbs 28, nine. He that turneth away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer shall be an abomination. So... We, we can come to God and, and have a, a desire to pray and see our prayers met. But if we've turned our ear away from the law of God, turned our ear away saying, you know what? I know that God said that, but that, I just don't agree with that. Or I just don't like that. Or I'm just not going to do that. I'm going to disregard that. Well, he says, hey, even your prayer is going to be an abomination, Coming to him in prayer and trying to maintain a relationship with him when, he, when you're disregarding his law and his word, that doesn't work. You've got to, if you want to maintain a, uh, a powerful prayer life, you've got to maintain uh, a right relationship with the Heavenly Father. So following the word of God. Unconfessed and unrepentant sin, Psalm 66, verse number 18. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. Thou hast received gifts for men. Yea, for the rebellious also, that the Lord God mighty dwell among them. We've got to confess and forsake that sin. Uh, Unconfessed or unrepentant sin stands in the way. Um, The reference, maybe somebody knows it, but your iniquities have separated you between you and your God. Anybody know the reference for that? Somebody could write down. Well, you can look it up, just look up the word iniquity. But that that iniquity, sin, between us and God separates us from our our Father. Uh, And so, unconfessed or unrepentant sin, we want to be cautious that that is taken care of in order to have a powerful prayer life. So, those are some of the hindrances that we've got to watch against. Then we know we're to be persistent in prayer. Uh, Acts 6, verse number 4 says, But we will give ourselves continually to prayer... And to the ministry of the word, the continually in prayer. There, there's a couple of illustrations that God gives us about persistence in prayer, just continually coming. Uh, the persistent friend and the persistent widow. Those parables uh, where they just continued to ask, continued to ask, continued to ask. And that's what we're to be doing in our prayer, just continuing to come. Maybe it's an exercise in faith. I, I don't have an answer as to why God would desire for us to continue to ask. Uh, I know sometimes with my children, I say, if you ask again, the answer's no. You've asked. You need to wait. Let me pray about it. I'll get back to you when I have an answer. Uh, You know, so that persistence from them, that non-going, you know, for me, I'm just saying, you know what? If you're going to bug me about it, uh, the answer's no. Because then that settles it, and we both have an answer, and, and now we're done with it, you know. But God's not that way. God says, hey, keep asking keep coming to me. And and he desires, and maybe it's just an exercise in faith, because if you're going to continue to pray, then you're, you know that God is there. You know he hears, and that ultimately he's going to, going to answer. And so he asks us to continue to be persistent in prayer. <clears throat> we don't want to, uh, to miss that. Um, prayer and fasting, when combined together, are very powerful. This is Uh, I guess here's prayer and fasting is defined as a voluntary going without food in order to focus on prayer and fellowship with God. Uh, So you put these two together and it really uh, is a means and a way of getting a hold of God and and God working on us. Um, These two activities combined uh, really make a difference in the believers lives. And we're going to talk next week about fasting specifically uh, but there are here some situations of life that require extreme measures. When you face a particularly difficult situation, fasting along with prayer may be required to get the victory or to see God come through. Uh, Matthew seventeen twenty one: Howbeit this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Sometimes prayer alone is not enough. It, it's a matter of that fervency, a matter of that urgency. Is it important enough to fast? to uh, see God answer that prayer. And then there's some things there that you can read on on your own. But this concludes the lesson on prayer and fasting. Again, I would like to take a few minutes next week and talk about fasting specifically uh, that you could kind of maybe plug into your notebook here and have uh, for future. So I should have a handout for you next week and some information there uh, on that.